And this is View the Valley's podcast, episode 14, with TJ Hoover and Chris Smith. TJ, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing well today. Um, you know, last week, we uh, I guess it'll be the week before last now, by the time this gets put up, that my wife and I took our oldest son to college. He's a freshman down at Southern Illinois in Carbondale. He's actually living in the same dorm I lived in my last year on campus. So uh, that was pretty surreal, a little bit um, trip down memory lane. I tried not to bore him with too many uh, back when I was here stories, but you know, it's still, it's interesting to see how the campus has changed, how the town has changed, and then in some ways, how the city hasn't changed. Okay, so you just took your son down to Carbondale. Now, every time during the podcast and we have a guest on, we ask where are they going to eat in that respective town, city. Uh, where are you going in Carbondale? Typically, I would go to Quattro's. And, uh, you know, any one of their pizzas you can't you can't go wrong with. But, you know, we've been going down there enough that we're trying to switch it up, but somehow we're staying on Italian. So a couple times ago, he and I went down there. There's a place out on the east end of town near Walmart called Mod, and it's basically like a uh, fast food pizza place almost. But you go in, you can order your individual size pizza, uh, and they have huge salads too. So that was interesting. One of my coworkers, she's an SIU grad, and she really loves that place. This last time we went to Paglia's, so... Uh, you know, if it's pizza, I'm probably going to be able to eat it. But, you know, if you had to say one place where you're going in Carbondale, definitely Quattro's. So when you go to so, Carbondale, you get pizza? Probably, yes. There's another place, is it called uh, Italian Village, I think? You can go there and get all sorts of Italian assortments, too. Um, you know, it's just something quick you can get before the game. And uh, if you're in a really... Uh, in a real big hurry, I would suggest Mod, though, because they, they, they do a good job there. So, But I forgot to ask, how are you doing today? I'm not doing too bad, uh, all things considering. Actually, uh, had a good weekend this past week, went out golfing, and then uh, we went out to, well, most people probably aren't familiar with the area, but in the St. Louis area, uh, golfed at a local course a little north of uh, the southern Illinois area. But then after we got done golfing, we went up to the loading dock, which is considered Grafton, Illinois. And it's a, it's a nice place to go because it sits right on the Mississippi River. And a lot, of, a lot of places to sit outside, enjoy the view. And with the temperatures we had Sunday and the weather, I mean, you couldn't have asked for a better day on Sunday. I think I may have said Monday. But couldn't have asked for a better day Sunday. And I was actually a little impressed and shocked of how many boats that you see up that way, like out on the river. Um, right. I mean, there were actually people swimming, like in the river. Like I don't say swim, but they were yeah. just floating around. I'm like that's ah, ah, you're not finding me in that river. No chance. As there's this. Kind of as there's this. You get up that far north. Sorry, but you get that far north. Just I mean, it's not very far north of the city, but the river is so wide there. It's a confluence between. Mississippi and the Ohio joining just north of there. Yeah, I'm like... Excuse me, not the Ohio. I'm sorry. Missouri. I'm the Mississippi and the Illinois. Oh, the Illinois. Well, clearly, I'm not familiar with my rivers either. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm like, uh, I cannot believe people are swimming out here. Like, you can see this huge barge getting ready to come up through. I'm like, oh, man, this is real gutsy. Just floating around out here. But yeah, there were a lot of, a lot of boats flying past this barge, jet skis, and it was a it was a happening place up there, but now, uh, we'll have to see when we can get back up there next. Always a good time going up there. Yeah, 
But during today's episode, we're going to play somewhat of a game here. Uh, we ended our Mount Rushmore segments last week of the conferences, conference member teams. Uh, so this week, we're going to play a game called How Well Do We Know Our Conference? So TJ's going to quiz me on the Ohio Valley while I'm going to quiz him on the Missouri Valley. And I believe we each have 10 questions so we'll be doing that during the episode, and what we're going to do is we'll do half at the beginning and then half at the end. Between the two, we'll have an interview with Tennessee Martin Women's Basketball Hall of Famer Kelly Pendleton DeVilder, get her take on her time at Tennessee Martin and all the memories she, uh, she had during her historic career at uh, UT Martin. But first things first, TJ, we'll uh, we'll get this game going. A little nervous, uh, TJ, if I'm being honest. Not you being the huge researcher you are. You're probably going <laughs> to come up with some question here, and it's going to stump me, and we're going to have dead air. Well, I think. Well, I made it multiple choice, you know, and you know what they say, sometimes multiple choice is multiple guess. <laughs> and uh, at least you have a one in three shot on most of them. Okay. So. So you want me to start or you want to start? I'll uh I'll start it off here for you, TJ. Okay. So for question one, what two Missouri Valley Conference teams were ranked at the end of the 2014-15 season? Uh would probably have to be Illinois State and Wichita State. You got one of the two correct. I get Wichita State, right? Wichita State is correct. Illinois State is incorrect. Ooh. Uh, I'll just take one more guess and you have to give me the answer. I'll go Northern Iowa. That is correct. Okay. It was Wichita State, Northern Iowa. All right. So my first one for you. Okay. Which school has the most regular season conference titles? Now, this includes if they tied for the conference title. And if they were one of the two division title winners, I didn't go through and differentiate that. So which one has the most regular season titles? And I'll tell you, it's with 26. So your choices are Western Kentucky, Austin P, or Murray State. Okay. Uh, you know, Western Kentucky, when they left the Ohio Valley, I think, what, back in the early 2000s maybe or maybe right before then i don't know if they were in there long enough to even have uh, i'll go murray state it is murray state with 26 western kentucky actually had 19 19 before they left wow i didn't realize they were actually in the ohio valley that long yeah i mean you go back and look and it's like western kentucky western kentucky western kentucky just year after year after year so and austin p had their fair share too but Nothing compared to those two. Yeah, I know Austin P's kind of a you know a trick one there because Dave Luce was there so long. I mean, he had some very uh, very competitive and solid teams during his time. Yeah. Uh, so. Question two for you: How many right. twenty win seasons did Northern Iowa have in the last ten years? And I got choices here for you. Okay. I'm ready. Four, six, or nine? I'm going to go six. That is correct. They had six. And I believe their lowest 
total number of wins in a season was 14. And that was probably the 18-19 campaign, wasn't it? They went, I think, what, they have 25 wins this past year, so then it went 16-16-14 in reverse. Okay. Yeah. I know, was it in the 19 title game, it was uh, them and Bradley, which nobody expected. So well, there, I didn't think they were that good. When I was going through and looking at that, it was, it was actually kind of impressive. There were a couple seasons they had 20 wins, but yet they were second to last in the overall standings because of their conference record, but still had 20 wins in a season. Right. And Coach Jacobson has not been one to back down from, you know, those uh, games. I think that one year they beat North Carolina, you know, so he's definitely not shying away from anybody. Okay. All right. Second question for you. Which school was the most recent to leave the OVC? They left in 2008. So your options are Samford, Samford, Akron, Samford. Yep, and they left for the Southern Conference. Well, and see that you never could really figure out why they were in the OVC. It didn't really make much sense. Yeah, Jacksonville State's nearby, but it was even further to get to Samford. I think for most schools, than it is Jacksonville State. I mean, it's a heck of a bus ride. Yeah, and no bus ride's a good bus ride. I don't think. No, I know that for some schools it's a it's it's a long haul to get to like Moorhead State, but I mean yeah. Sanford's not near anything, right? The Sanford Bulldogs. Yep, never actually got to see them play at the Show Me Center multiple times, but that's all I got on that. Uh, question three for you. Which player had the most made three-pointers last season? Your choices are Zach Copeland of Illinois State, Nate Cannell of Bradley, A.J. Green of Northern Iowa, or Aaron Cook, Southern Illinois. And this person made 91 three-pointers. A.J. Green is the first one that comes to mind, so I'll just stick with that. But I'm sure Cannell was probably right on his tails if he didn't beat him. Yeah, A.J. Green was number one, and then Copeland and Cannell were were near the top as well. A.J. just, there's so many times he gets that step back, and it just sticks it in your eye right out there. But then you have to come up and guard him. He He changes the game for you defensively. So, all right. Sticking with the in and out of the conference motifs, okay. who is the most recent addition to the conference as, for the most part, a full-fledged member, not counting, you know, like the affiliate members that might be in one or two sports? Is it Eastern Illinois, Belmont, or Southern Illinois, Edwardsville? Uh, well, Belmont was the most recent, but I wasn't sure if you're counting them because they don't have – football but neither does yeah, SI ever okay yeah, they're still considered a full member just short football okay there's some schools that will come in and they'll be in like one or two sports so like I know in the MVC Dallas Baptist is a baseball school okay well see yeah so Belmont's my answer yep and that's correct um but uh, while we're on the topic and I have yet to figure it out no idea why Moorhead State is in the Ohio Valley for like every sport 
but they do not play in the Ohio Valley for football. Yeah, because aren't they in the uh, the Pioneer League? I think is it like Drake is in that too, and they don't offer uh, scholarships for the football players. Yeah, uh, athletic scholarships. I think it's the Pioneer. I think it's the same one that Dayton's in. If I'm yeah. not mistaken, so I think that's the big thing. There is it's a money saver that you just don't have scholarship. I think Butler might be in that too. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I just kind of always, yeah. always wondering. Got to be weird that you're like, you know, tennis like a sport like tennis. You're like, yeah, we got a conference game. Like, you can say, like, oh no, they're not in our conference. We're in a completely different conference for tennis. I think like SIU Edwardsville is in a completely different conference for one sport or something. Yeah, it's weird. Like, if 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 you're going to compete in like, actually yeah. scheduling games, that's a big thing. Yeah, that's wild. Okay, what do you got? Okay, you're. I guess I'm up. Question four for you. Which school has the most championships? Uh, is it A, Wichita State, B, Creighton, or C, Northern Iowa? Talking regular season or tournament? Regular season. I'm going to go Creighton. That is correct. I, I believe it was regular season. I had 12. Because they had that big run there even before, before um, they left. Doug McDermott, Doug McDermott came in, so and they left the league. So. Yeah, that, how, how many years was, was he at Creighton before they left? I don't know, because he was at Northern Iowa before that. And was it just, I don't, gosh, it doesn't seem like it was very long. I didn't think it was. That was just something that so, came to mind while I was thinking about it. You kind of wonder what would have happened had he stayed in Northern Iowa and uh, his son goes to play for him there instead of at Creighton. How does that change things? You know, does Creighton get the invite to the Big East? And Northern Iowa kind of doesn't fit that mold because you think they went to all those private school sure. kind of model. You know, um, so, you know, I know there's there some SLU alum fans of my, friends of mine that think that they should, that SLU should be next, but I don't know if they're going to expand anymore. So, okay. All right. Which current member has never won an OVC tournament game? They're actually 0 4 right now, or at least coming into this season. They still are because I checked. Um, is it Eastern Illinois? Tennessee Martin or Southern Illinois, Edwardsville. And this is the OVC tournament you're talking about? Yeah. They've never won an OVC tournament game. Well, Tennessee Martin has, I think they, they did that with Lester Hudson, I believe. Um, Eastern Illinois has SI Edwardsville. Final answer? Yes. Yes. Southern Illinois University of Edwardsville. Yeah, I th- they're zero four. So I was gonna say that I don't think they've had had too many opportunities since they since they joined Division One. I. I think four would have been about the seemed like a good number with how many years they've been in the conference tournament. Yeah, right. and I think I think there's a an added element to you know being that not all the teams get in, just the top eight. And then it's yeah, you know, and not many. At least on the men's side, they have it where you know the the 
top two teams will play those semifinals. Well, yeah, I mean, and not many conferences do that. And in a way, you know, I think we talked about it before, you know, you'd like to see every team get a chance to make that run. But also, I mean, it just shows you that you got to you got to earn your spot in the tournament throughout conference play. Right. Yep. Okay. Uh, fifth question for you. Which schools in the Missouri Valley Conference have not won a championship? There are two. And I'll give you some options here. Is it A, Valparaiso in uh, Loyola, Evansville in Drake, or Valparaiso in Evansville? I'll go with C, Valparaiso and Evansville. That's correct. Yeah, I mean, Val- Valpo is a pretty easy one since they just joined not too long ago. Yeah, yeah. They, and they just ran out a little bit of steam this last year. You know, they get at the championship game after playing on Thursday and fourth game in four days. It, it uh, takes a toll on the legs. I remember correctly, I think it was Northern Iowa and Evansville when they had that, that famous shot that you always see from the NBC um, montage every year where uh, they hit that shot where it hits the back of the rim and my son says, you know, the ball had to have gone above the, the shot clock and then fell in there at the buzzer to beat uh, Mario Simmons and the, the Aces that year. So that's one that uh, is relived quite often to the, to the chagrin of the Aces fans. So, all right, your fifth question. Okay. Who is the all-time leading scorer for the OVC? Is it Bubba Wells? Henry, Dahmer Kant, or Ricky Menard? The leading scorer all time? All time. And Bubba Wells was very good at Austin P. My other my other two choices were uh, what? Uh hold on, I just walked away from it. Great radio here. <laughs> That's what we get for doing it remote. So, bubble bubble wells. Henry Domercant and Ricky Menard. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with my gut, Bubba Wells. It's it's Henry Domercant. Wow. Uh, I, had, I just had the numbers up in front of me. And well, he was a uh, uh, Eastern Illinois. Yes, sir. I think. Well, they were both on my Mount Rushmore list. Those first two were. I was kind of trying to bait, but my gut was telling me Bubba. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Well, I think that's... Uh, both of their names are all over the stat pages, so I just can't seem to find it right now. Yeah, that was a that was a tough one. I'll give you that. That was a very... Uh, that was a good question. So that that's our uh, five questions right now. Um, first five, and I believe... Uh, what, we each get four correct on our first guess? Yep. Yep. So we're, you were uh, four for five. That last one's the only one you missed so far. Okay. So both four for five on our first guess here. Uh, we'll do the second half of the questions after our interview, because uh, with that we have uh, former Tennessee Martin Women's Basketball Hall of Famer Kelly Pendleton DeVilder joining the show. And we are joined by Tennessee Martin Women's Basketball Hall of Famer, Kelly Pendleton DeVilder. Kelly, how are you doing today? 
Doing good. How are you guys doing? I think we're doing pretty well. TJ, how are you doing? I'm doing all right, too. Uh, just trying out this new thing. So if we sound a little bit different, uh, it's because we're we're all remote today, you know, trying it like everybody else is. So, well, we'll dive right in. First of all, thank you so much for coming on. Um, you know, I've been fortunate enough to know you over the last two years and count amongst my friends. But to start for our listeners, maybe kind of kind of take us back to where it all started. Like, what was young Kelly Pendleton like? What sports were you interested in? And ultimately, what led to basketball being the thing that you focused on? Well, I born and raised in Kentucky. So um, if you know anything about that state, you know, we mostly bleed blue and basketball reigns supreme. So that it was pretty much ingrained in me from a young age that that's what I was going to play. Um, my dad played in high school. He uh, actually uh, played at Tennessee one year and then went on and played at Murray State um, for a few years. And I think, I mean, like my mom says it, like they didn't know if they were having a boy or a girl, but it really didn't matter because out of the womb, like I was going to play basketball. So I think that's kind of how it stuck. Um, but, uh, I also, I played tennis too. So I kind of was a two, two sport athlete, uh, with basketball and tennis. We didn't, you know, I grew up in a County school in Kentucky, pretty rural. Um, so we didn't have soccer or volleyball or anything like that. Um, you know, just pretty, you know, basic sports. So I, you know, for whatever reason, I picked up tennis too. So kind of just played those two sports, but yeah, I mean, it was always pretty much going to be basketball from the get go, kind of a natural fit. Um, something that just came a little bit easier to me. So that's kind of how it all got started. So some people say the jump from junior high basketball to varsity basketball was harder than the jump from high school to college, but you were playing varsity basketball as a seventh grader. What was that experience like, and how did it impact your development as a player? Um, so, you know, I talked to TJ about this sometimes. Like, Kentucky Kentucky is a little different. So I know, like, Illinois here, there's kind of the rule that – you know, you cannot play up in high school. Like if you're in junior high, you know, you stay in junior high. Uh, Kentucky is different, uh, especially with basketball. It's considered, I guess, like a non-contact sport. So I, it, I, I say this like it's going to sound kind of weird. So uh, we had like elementary schools, like K through eight. There were four of them in my county. And so I was playing on the seventh and eighth grade junior high team when I was in fourth grade. Wow. So playing up was kind of just the norm for me. And a lot of the kids and girls that I played with, you know, when they were, you know, sophomores, juniors and seniors, I've already been playing with, you know, most of my life. So playing up for me um, wasn't in high school, wasn't really that big. I won't say it wasn't that big of a deal, but it just wasn't that different for me. It was kind of the norm. Sure. And of course, you know, we didn't have a lot of the social media and things that we do now. So, um, if there weren't any complaints or people that didn't like it, you know, I was pretty shielded from that. Um, but I would have to say for me, like the biggest jump was definitely going from high school to college. Um, I think just because, you know, I'd always played up. I'd always been, you know, one of the better players on the team. I'd always played. And so when you kind of go to college and you've always been kind of the main player on your team and you show up your freshman year and 
everyone was the best player on their team. And so you're kind of fighting for that spot. Um, so that was definitely, that was definitely a bigger jump for me. Well, I think you're selling yourself a little bit short there to say you were one of the better players on your team. I, it sounds like you were one of the best players in your school's history. I mean, you're still number 19. I checked today. You're still number 19 in the state of Kentucky for women's basketball players all time, scoring with like 3,000 points, which is still, you know, the lead for your school. And, and, you know, you were mentioned in all American conversations and stuff like that. And like you said, you're a heck of a tennis player. I think you said you were what the first, uh, member from your school to play tennis in the state tournament. Is that right? Yeah. Wow. So <laughs> I don't really talk about it much. So, so I know, but I'm going to. So, oh, you can. so with all that, you know, I'm, what was your recruitment process like? And what was it about UT Martin that you decided to go there? Um, you know, I think it, it's kind of interesting because I know you, you may talk about this a little bit later. It kind of was like a little bit of a natural fit. Um, you know, I, I visited a bunch of places. I actually got hurt right before my senior year in high school. So, um, that kind of hurt the recruiting a little bit, but, um, the place from the places that I, I did visit like Martin for whatever reason, you know, just the Vanatas and everything just seems, it just seemed like home kind of seemed like family. Um, you know, they were kind of more of an up and coming program. They've done, you know, really well, you know, the year before in the Vananas, you know, they had been named like coaches of the year and, you know, just to kind of be part of that program. Like I thought, you know, I could go in and, you know, try to, you know, play early, maybe have a little bit of an impact. And it wasn't too far, far from home. You know, I'm, like I said, I was country girl, um, from farm, you know, grew up on a farm and, you know, just didn't want to be that far away from home. So it's about a two and a half hour drive, but, yeah, I, and, and they were married. I know a lot of people ask me that question, you know, what's it like to play for married coaches? It was not, it wasn't a new concept for me. My high school coaches were married. So, yeah, so my, well, I, my first high school coach, he left right after my freshman year. Um, he had two boys. So he went to uh, coach a boys uh, team in our district and I was completely devastated by that because he was so he was so amazing, so awesome. And, you know, gave me my first shot. And not too many people put a seventh grader, you know, on a varsity squad. And, you know, he kind of did that for me. But um, the new coach that came in was actually married to our JV coach. So and it was a woman. So the woman was uh, Cheryl Bond. She was the head coach. And Alan, her husband, was the JV coach. So I went from having married coaches to having <laughs> married coaches. So it wasn't, you know. It was kind of familiar. So when you played for UT Martin with, you know, under Gary and Kim Van Atta, how did they seem to handle sharing the coaching duties since they were both co-head coaches? Yeah, it was kind of a yin and a yang type of thing. They were, you know, very, very different. Um, Gary is very much, uh, was way more vocal. You know, he coached from the sidelines. He's the one that would kind of, you know, get up, yell at us, get on us. You know, the um, same thing kind of in practice. Uh, Kim was more like a little bit more silent, a lot more reserved. She's an X's and O's type of person. And, you know, she's one of those ones that, you know, she didn't yell, but she had like that intense look, like when you really did something, you know, did something wrong and made a mistake. And, you you know, you wanted to go through practice in a game and not get that look because you knew, you know, it was not good. 
So, you know, they kind of fed off each other, you know, like I said, very kind of different personalities, but it worked well. Um, yeah. So. So taking, going on to your experience playing there, your freshman year, it's the first ever time that Tennessee Martin wins a regular season OBC title. I got a nice place with that. <laughs> we all love to have those rings. You wear it around know, very much? Not, it's not pretty. It's gold with an orange stone. It's really not. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the, it is literally like the ugliest thing, you know. It's like one of those classroom things. But I, I know I have, I carry it, you know, I have it, you know, with, with pride, you know. I just, Obviously. <laughs> I mean, that year you guys play uh, Kansas, SEC schools, Auburn, and Kentucky. Yeah. Eventually, you lose to Tennessee Tech in the conference tournament. So that sends you to NIT. But you guys get to host another SEC in Ole Miss. You beat them on your home court and eventually lose in the next round. I believe it was to Memphis. What about that season stood out to you as a whole and specifically for you? Um, I, I, rem- I just remember the season, you know, it was very, I mean, it was, the schedule was tough. And we traveled a lot. And it was, you know, like you said, you know, I, I kind of forgot all the teams that we played. I know we, you know, we traveled out to Seattle, you know, the places that we got to travel, you know, to play in tournaments, you know, it was my first experience kind of doing some of that. And, you know, it was, it was amazing to me because, you know, we were a really good team and we had some really good players. Um, uh, Zabrina Harris on our team, she was the OVC player of the year that year. Um, just kind of an unstoppable force inside. And, but the schedule was brutal. And I remember, you know, kind of, you know, being my first time, you know, our first year at college away from home, we, we were gone so much. Like I don't, sometimes I don't think people realize, you know, during your basketball season, like we didn't get a Thanksgiving. Like I didn't get to go home for Thanksgiving. I didn't get to go home for Christmas break. We were traveling and we had, we had two a days, sometimes three days over Christmas break. And because the NIT um, I didn't, we didn't get a spring break that year because we were playing the NIT over spring break. So, but you know, I wouldn't trade any of that, any of those experiences for anything. Um, unfortunately I was hurt, so I did not get to play in the OVC tournament. It's kind of one of the things I look back on and, you know, shoulda, coulda, woulda. Tennessee Tech was our biggest rivals. It's like, you know, hate's a strong word. Man, I hated losing to them. Um, I really hated losing to them. Um, and so, you know, I was hurt and I didn't get to play in the OVC tournament. It's kind of, you know, and we lost a really, a really tight game and it kind of like, man, if I play, could I have helped? Could something else have changed? But again, you know, we got to go, you know, play Ole Miss at home in IT, but it being an SEC school, not too many OVC schools can say that. So it was pretty great, pretty great year. So your sophomore year, you start out at Tennessee, a team that would go on to play Connecticut in the national title game. And they had all time Lady Vols greats, Tamika Catchings, who would later be named player of the year, as well as having Carol Lawson. What was that experience like for you and your team? Now I know like, you see a lot of mid-major schools, they go and play on the road at these, you know, power five schools. Yeah, they're money games. They help the program, but it's also going to leave, you know, a lifetime memory for the players. And it's also going to help prepare you for, you know, conference play too. Yeah, I will say the, mem- we're not going to say the score of the game. We just not, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, let's not repeat what the score was. So, 
really funny because my my husband, um, he also went to Tennessee Martin. That's where we met. But I talk to him and my family to this day. Whenever, like, if I watch Tennessee, you know, women's basketball, men's basketball, or whatever, or football, if they're on TV, I have to mute the TV. <laughs> I cannot stand Rocky Top. I can't. <laughs> I cannot. Like, it is literally like nails on chalkboard for me because they played that song during that game. Like, I can't even tell you how many times. It, I think it was just on repeat all the time. But no, I mean, it. So most people don't realize either Pat Summit, um, late great Pat Summit, uh, she played at Tennessee Martin. Yep. Um, she's right. in the Hall of Fame, and um, her coach uh, was still at Martin. Um, you know, just you know, was part of the program like when I was there, and so they kind of had this deal where you know they actually played at Martin um, a year before, and then we are a couple years before, and then we went to Tennessee to play. And to kind of kind of give you an idea of how intense and competitive Pat was, they full court pressed us almost the entire game. I mean, they're up oh my a God. lot. She left her starters in. I think she wanted to prove a point, and she proved her point. <laughs> <laughs> she was not going to lose to her alma mater. She was going to take it to us, and she did. And, you know, it was – it was amazing, you know, just to see those players and, you know, and how far they went that year. Um, but, yeah, I that's one of those, you know, games that will forever, you know, be in my mind and infamy for Rocky Top for that reason. And just like, man, we took a beating. It was a bad beating. <laughs> what, what was it like playing in that facility? Because I've been in there when in, in the summer months when it's empty and it's huge with huge. nobody in there. I can't imagine what it's like Huge. with a packed house. Their first game of the season for them, probably. Yeah, and, and it was it was really cool because like they actually they, they it was almost like they hosted us. Like right. so we got to walk through the locker room. You know, it's kind of like one of those things where <laughs> you know you really shouldn't be in awe. Like when you're going to play a team, you know, you're not supposed to be kind of in awe of everybody, but. Yeah, it was one of those experiences where even after the game, they kind of hosted us and we got to meet everybody and took pictures with Pat and the assistants. And because I know like Pat had actually gone to school at Martin with some of one of our players' moms. So it was just, you know, after the game, she was awesome, super cool. Um, But yeah, I mean, it was pretty amazing. But it it is a huge facility for sure. So. Looking at your stats, your junior year seems like individually, at least, to have been your best season. You lead the team in free throw percentage, three-point field goal percentage, and field goals made. Uh, So what clicked for you that season that just kind of put everything together? Um, So my first, my freshman and sophomore year, um, like, we had a couple, like, several JUCO players that, that had come over. And really, like I said, really good players. Um, obviously from how we finished our seasons and they had graduated and one of them um, had played, I was, you know, I primarily a shooting guard, sometimes point guard, but primarily a shooting guard and she had graduated. So um, kind of gave me the opportunity to step in, um, in that spot. I had, I gotten, had been hurt um, my freshman year, I actually had uh, rotator cuff surgery on my shoulder, on my shooting arm. So I spent a lot of my sophomore year really trying to just to get back 
kind of to where I was. And it, it almost took me an entire season. I was out from like from March to October, right before my sophomore year. So it took a while. And I think, you know, I worked hard kind of in the off season after my sophomore year, even more so than usual to kind of get to that point. And I, I was kind of just as surprised as, as most, you know, I went out and had a couple tournaments and, and played really well. And um, the offense that we ran, we actually ran the triangle offense. And it's something that worked well with my game. And, yeah, everything kind of fell together. Now, has your dad given you any flack about leading the team in free throw percentage and three-point field goal percentage but not in overall field goal percentage? No, not bad. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, it's funny you should say this. So, like, I, I was just in Kentucky this past weekend. I visited my, my grandmother, and she had, like, this – this article of me, you know, kind of like my past stats that she, you know, hangs up on her wall. And she's like, here, I want you to have this because I don't think you have it. And I started looking through some of my stats and I'm like, man, like I did not shoot this. You know, you always think you shoot a lot better than you actually go back to the stats. Like, wow, man, that, that was not very good. That was not so great. But, you know, I'll just keep that tucked away. No one really has to know. But no, it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> So as you mentioned, you dealt with some injuries at UT Martin during your career. I believe it was two knee injuries and one shoulder surgery. Was there ever a discussion about using a red shirt? And if so, why didn't you take advantage of it? Um, so I just had one knee injury, and that was really my junior year. So when I came right before this season, my freshman year, I broke my wrist. Um, it just, And it was very, like, it was taking forever to heal. But the thought process was that, you know, I, I still played. And, you know, I think Jay may have heard me, you know, tell the story. Like, I look at my parents, like, what were you thinking? <laughs> so I was in a cast. And I literally, the trainer would saw, saw off my cast. And we would put a makeshift kind of soft cast on and whenever I would play. So I still played with a broken wrist. Wow. And the, yeah, I look at my parents like, how can you, what were you guys, how did you let me do this? And hopefully there's not any like referees that listen to this, but we would take the cast off and we would put like this soft, like it's like a soft cast, but it hardened over a period of time. So we would run down, have the referees inspect it. So to them, it felt like a, a soft cast. So they didn't have any issues with it wrapped up, but it ended up being like hard as a rock by the time I actually started playing. But that's either here or there. So the thought process was, you know, once the wrist, everything would be healed by the time conference play would come around after Christmas. So I, I mean, I was still playing. So there really wasn't, you know, the thought process to really redshirt. Um, but then kind of, in the late January, um, I dislocated my shoulder, my right, like I said, my shooting arm. And it's an injury that I, I had, um, the, the summer before my senior year in high school. So it was, it um, happened again. Um, so I had multiple shoulder dislocations and it just kept popping out. And so, um, ultimately right before the OVC tournament, you know, it was, the decision was made just, you know, not to do any more damage that was already done. And so I ended up spinning out, um, those games there. So I really wasn't ever, I feel like full strength at my freshman year to begin with for a while, but you know, I, I don't know back then the red shirt thing, 
it, it just it never really came up because in hindsight like, I n- never thought that I was going to hurt you know injure my shoulder again you um, always had the idea that you were going to play yeah yeah okay and so now looking back on it yeah I wish I had but it, I mean everything worked out the way it should have been so can't complain so what memories do you still carry with you about your career at Tennessee Martin? Be it good memories, maybe a game that slipped through your fingers. I have a couple here that I thought I'd bring up, but I don't want to kind of uh, taint the... Uh, <laughs> taint? I, I, well, no, not taint. I, I want to get your take on it without you, okay. without me bringing something up. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's what I want to say is my favorite. I, mean, I'm I put you on the spot a little I bit more. A few, I got a few. Um, some good, like one not so great. But um, one of the things probably a lot of people don't realize, we, we actually, right before my senior year, we went overseas to play. We actually played in Sweden, Denmark, and Norway for a few weeks. Awesome experience. Um, one of the best, best times I've ever had. Um, a real bonding experience with the team. And I mean, it, we, we still laugh about, you know, I'm still friends with, you know, a lot of my teammates on Facebook and we still laugh about some of the the things that happened on that trip. Um, we had a kind of nightmarish travel situation, but, um, that one was pretty amazing. Uh, probably like the biggest thing for me that I remember is like, we played North Carolina, university of North Carolina at North Uh Carolina. Mm -hmm. And, um, that what they were one of the top teams in the country, and I actually I scored twenty seven points that game, wow. and I actually got a shout out on ESPN. I was on the little highlight thing, uh-huh. um, and it's probably one of my greatest moments ever. My oh, I'm little, sure. oh, I'm sure. Like my little t- my little thirty seconds of fame, and of course, <laughs> you know, I wish I wish we had DVR back then, but no. Um, so, but you know, those those were two of my, you know. I would say my fondest memories, um, you know, a lot of people talk about it. Like I, I would say, you know, probably the hardest one is, you know, my last game and, you know, a lot of people don't, you know, want to think about it. Or, you know, when you go into college, like, okay, you know, we got four years, we're playing, we're playing. And then it kind of creeps up on you. And I remember it, you know, we were at Moorhead state we're in the OVC tournament and we lost. And, you know, it's just that feeling like, you know, I got back on the bus and it's kind of like, you know, this is it. Like, that's it. You know, everything that you kind of, I don't mean to be depressing and I kind of still get right. emotional about it, but it's like you work, you work so hard, you know, the majority of your life. And then, you know, there it is. It's, 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 it's done. It's over. And for us back then, you know, the WNBA, you know, you had the WNBA or, you know, playing overseas and that, that was never, you know, really going to be in the cards for me. But yeah, I mean, that's still, you know, it's it's pretty tough sometimes when I look back and think about that. So to follow that up, I mean, I thought one of, I would think one of the highlights for you, I know a personal achievement for you is after your junior year, I think it was, you win the Steve Hamilton award, which goes to one athlete, male or female for the entire conference. So what was that experience like? Um, pretty amazing. Um, I was, you know, pretty shocked. So um, like one, I, one of the things, you know, it has to do kind of with your athletic performance, your academic performance and just overall community service. And, you know, I, you know, we did a, I mean, I, I can honestly say, you know, it wasn't just me. I mean, like, you know, it was kind of a great uh, overall team effort. Cause we did, you know, we did a lot of community service and stuff and things in the community. I think that helped out, um, 
I mean, I, I still remember to this day, we used to go um, to the local uh, elementary schools and uh, read books to elementary schools and Habitat for Humanity and, and various things like that. So, um, but yeah, winning that award, it, it was really special. Um, you know, I had to give up, walk, you know, give a speech in front of, you know, the OVC administration, there was a banquet and everything and um, pretty nerve wracking. I'm not, I don't like to give speeches in front of a lot of people. You know, we always joke that, oh, you know, put a basketball in your hands, be on a court in front of thousands of people and I'm fine. Right. Yep. But put me on a podium <laughs> in front of five people and I will freak out. <laughs> so it's probably good we're doing this over the phone, so I can't see you. Um, that's kind of, kind of, although I see Hoover all the time. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that, that was pretty special. I know it meant a lot to me and to the university and to my parents. So, yeah. So on the court, the one I picked out, and I didn't uh, let, warn you about this, but your senior year, you guys are struggling. Uh, you go to Austin P. You're one in oh, twelve, yeah. I think. Oh, do you yeah. remember this? Do you remember this game? Oh, I do. Okay, so I mean, you guys first fall behind day. early. You come back. You, I think you're down ten or twelve in the first half. You tie it, and you're back and forth. You take the lead late in the second half. Then Austin P. It's a three pointer at the buzzer. We go to overtime, but, don't we? Is it overtime? Yeah, you go to overtime because they tie. But you go six for ten from three point range, and I think it was your career high of thirty six points 30. that night. Yeah. So and what was that game like for you? You know what my dad will say. You know when he still tells me that you should have you should have had forty because you missed a layup <laughs> and you missed the front end of a one on one and one. <laughs> so then, Dad's mind, you really missed two free throws, right? Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, it's still like it should have, he still says that you should have had 40, you should have had 40. Um, <laughs> no, true, funny, funny thing about that game, so a point guard at the time, TJ, TJ, her name's TJ, right. TJ Barker, um, I remember telling her, like, TJ, like, I'm, I'm so, like, I was so tired, I was so physically tired before that game, like, I just wasn't feeling well, wasn't feeling it, and I said, not going to be a good night like I just I just don't feel well and then as you know the game goes on the game progresses she's just looking at me like I thought you didn't feel well (laughs) (laughs) like I don't know like it just that's kind of funny about that because it's probably one of the like the worst I felt before a game just fatigue wise and just I don't know and had the game of my life so yeah that's definitely one of the ones that were up there but I for me it's about I should have had the 40. Well, while we're on the topic of your memories, you mentioned Tennessee Tech and how you weren't, you know, really a fan of, you know, playing or losing to them. Uh, was there like a favorite school in the OVC that you liked traveling to to play against, maybe because of the atmosphere or just how nice the facility was? Um, let me think. I liked, I loved, I liked Murray. I always liked Murray. I mean, that's where my dad played, and they, and they had, um, they built that nice big facility there. Um, and at that time, you know, the men and the women played at the same time. Like we played back to back, so they played right after us. And so it was really cool for the atmosphere, you know, because the men. I mean, they bring so many fans. Sure. Um, if you've ever been to a Murray State game, and. Because I asked my dad, I was like, so who are you going to root for? Like, because he's diehard for my sake. But, yeah, I always I always loved going to Murray. SEMO, um, um, too. I liked SEMO. I always tend to always play well there. I, I, I 
again, hates a strong word, Eastern Kentucky, did not like Eastern Kentucky. I didn't like playing at Eastern Kentucky when I was in high school. So, like, we had state tournaments there. I just never played well there. Um, but, yeah, Tennessee Tech, though, to this day, yeah, not, no. <laughs> <laughs> still better rivals, still. So if we were going to a Tennessee Martin basketball game, what food recommendation would you have for us? Oh, man. Um, so much has changed there. Like, so I've, I've only been once, but Grinders, which wasn't there when I was in school, but it's like a burger joint, um, is pretty good. And then La Cabana. La Cabana was there when I was there. It's a Mexican restaurant. Um, I used to go there all the time. So those are the two that I would suggest. Don't, I mean, th- back then, like, they had a sh- – I mean, I had Thanksgiving at Shoney's. Like, they had a show <laughs> like, 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 right? <laughs> like, you know, there wasn't there wasn't a ton there. Um, and a couple of the restaurants that we used to go to have since closed, closed down. But um, I will forever remember Thanksgiving at Shoney's one year because we couldn't go home. <laughs> <laughs> So to kind of wrap this up, Kelly, what are you up to these days? And uh, share, I know what you're doing, but what? what <laughs> let our listeners know what you're doing to stay around the game. Yeah, so um, I kind of, I stepped away from the game for a while, a long time, actually. Um, like, so I graduated in 2002 from Martin. And really, it wasn't until 2016, uh, my oldest son um, he started getting into playing basketball and at the time it was his fourth favorite sport. And keep in mind, my husband and I both <laughs> played college basketball. My husband's father played college basketball. My brother and my dad played college basketball. So the fact that it was his fourth favorite sport behind football, which he has never played before, was kind of <laughs> devastating. Um, but you know, there my husband, you know, he grew up in Moline, Illinois, Quad City, so um, way further north. And he he was part of a like a youth. They had a youth program there um, that he you know, was part of, and it's, it's one of his uh, friends' fathers started this youth pro- basketball program. And so my husband had the big idea of when I was four months pregnant with my youngest son that we were going to start a basketball league here in Waterloo. And I looked at him like he was crazy. But um, here we are, several, you know, four years later, and we have now like the Waterloo Basketball Association here in Waterloo. So we started that, um, like I said, several years ago. It's for kids that are like really second through fifth grade. We have about 150 kids in the program here, and we play teams all throughout the area over in Missouri um, and St. Louis area here. Um, like Redbud, Sparta, Columbia, all around. So we we run that program, kind of starts in uh, late October through mid-February. So that keeps me busy quite a bit um, there. And then I get to spend a lot of time with Hoover, TJ. <laughs> You're always going to be Hoover to me. I'm just going to call I have to call you Hoover. I get to spend a lot of time with him um, during the winter months as well because I'm a volunteer assistant with the Waterloo Girls Basketball pro- Program over here. Coach Augustine, I told him I'd give him a shout out, so I have to say, shout out to Coach Augustine. Oh, Timmy Augustine. Um, so, uh, so he, you know, graciously lets me come and volunteer um, with the girls' program over here. So that's kind of been, you know, brought a little bit of, you know, that 
passion and fire back as, you know, Hoover knows I'm very passionate. I <laughs> 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 have to, have to, have to pull, the, pull the dogs off once in a while with yeah, you. Yeah, once in a while. We won't it's, share my, we can't share my nickname on air. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah. I, I think the, the biggest time I saw your competitive streak come out is when the first year we were coaching together and a girl from the other team scored her thousandth point at our place where we coach and the home crowd gave her a standing ovation and you're already fired up. And after the game, the team came and asked for the game ball. You're like, what the heck's going on? <laughs> Just beside yourself. Like, I, I can't believe you do that. <laughs> yeah. I was like, how could it, like, it was a Like it was one of our conference. I, 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 yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I couldn't get past that. We were, you know, good kudos for her. I mean, yeah, great. I, I mean, I get there. I've been there. But I'm like, there's no, yeah, no way that any of my district people, they, they would they would not have honored me and clapped for me <laughs> at any of their games. No. I'd actually wait till we played at home before that happened. So, yeah. Yeah, I can't. I'm still baffled by that. But, hey, it's all good. <laughs> We're nice people over here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Kelly, again, thanks for coming on. We really appreciate you uh, going back in time and sharing some of your stories with us. And, uh, you know, look forward to getting to visit with you again and maybe get some more stories out of you down the road. Yeah, I know. It's been kind of fun to kind of go back down memory lane. I don't get to talk about it much um, since I'm not from over here. So it's kind of nice. So thank you guys for having me on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I know TJ did some outstanding research here on some of these questions. And, you know, <laughs> me for one. I know. I texted him. I was like, where did you find this stuff? Like, I gotta, I gotta jog my memory here. Oh, and I get down in the rabbit hole, and you just never know what's gonna happen next. <laughs> Coach Augustine, Timmy said the same thing. He's like, "Come on, it's Hoover. Like, you know, he's gonna find it. Like, he's gonna find it." <laughs> well, right, thanks again, Kelly. Thank you, guys. Yeah, thank you. All right. And just want to give a special thanks to Kelly for taking time out of her day to join the show. I know. TJ, knowing her on a personal level, you know, he knew some of this while also doing good research. Myself, on the other hand, you know, not knowing a whole lot, um, hearing some of it for the first time, I was very impressed with, you know, her career at uh, Tennessee Martin. And to be fair, I think that's the most she's ever talked about her playing career, especially anything in high school. You know, I was doing some research for something else and came across things and I was like, I was talking to the guy that she mentioned, Tim Augustine, who's the head coach that we work with. I was like, you, do you realize how good she was? You know, at one point she was like, yeah, you know, uh, I was so close to a thousand points. It's like, give me like 941 points. <laughs> and she just, she was so injury riddled that, you know, she wasn't as high up on the list as she could have been, but she's still, is she like 16th or 17th on the school's all-time scoring list at Tennessee Martin still, you know, and like she mentioned that a lot of people don't know that Pat Summit played there and her name is all over those record books too. So uh, they do have uh, some good women's basketball. They had a really good stretch there in the middle 2010s. They had their, their top two players, I think of all time were there at the same time. So, uh, you know, it's, it, you get in the South and some good things can happen with basketball. So again, Kelly, thanks for coming on. And uh, it was a good visit. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, absolutely. Outstanding career. I, I enjoyed, uh, hearing her memories and thoughts on Tennessee Martin. So we'll get back into how well do we know each conference here. Uh, I believe 
I think, are you up or am I up here? Well, you asked the first question when we started, so we can okay. go either way. All right, I'll go here. Uh, going a little bit different route here. All right. Maybe a 12-6 curveball. Uh, who is the main broadcaster for Missouri Valley Conference games when the games are televised on CBS? And this is over the last five years. Is it A, Tim Brando, B, Bill Raftery, C, Kevin Harlan, or D, Jim Nance? Uh, Tim Brando, isn't it? That is incorrect. He was a very he was very popular, and I'll give you some credit. He was the main guy for the Missouri Valley, but that changed up until the last five years. Wow! And that so is, who is it? Kevin Harlan. Uh-huh. Okay, but you ever heard that piece where Kevin Harlan? There was what uh, a dog that snuck onto the field was it last season for the NFL? And he was doing the play-by-play about the, <laughs> the go- animal that was running into the end zone. And it's going up the tunnel. Yeah, yeah and he's even like, they're into the whatever, the so-and-so red zone. Like he even gives <laughs> the sponsor shout-out. Yep. So he, he does a great job and really versatile. So definitely one of those distinct voices that you hear. Yeah, he's so. he's one of the best announcers out there. So, all right, number six for you. Okay. Who is the all-time conference assist leader? And he is sixth all-time in NCAA history with assists. Is it John Moran, Austin Luke, or Lucas Nutt? So you said it was for the conference and then sixth all-time in what? Yeah. Assists. First all-conference. First forever in conference and sixth all-time in the NCAA. Let's see. Well, I, there's no way John Morant could be that high. He didn't didn't play a full career at Murray State. Lucas Nutt had plenty of assists at SEMO, um, but I'm gonna go Austin Luke. It is actually. Uh, I, I gave you a bad question. It's for one season. Oh, for one season. I, I, you know, I, yep, yeah, I, I screwed up on that. Okay. Um. Well. Well, I'm gonna backtrack here. I, I'll go. Uh, John Morant. Yeah. So, yeah, you said that, and I was like, oh wait, maybe I screwed that <laughs> up. Yeah, I had 331 assists in uh, his sophomore year there. Okay. Next closest guy had 255. <laughs> yeah, that that and that was okay. That was 35 years ago. Now it, it makes sense for him with it being one year instead of a career. Okay, yeah. Yeah, but uh, so I didn't look up the, the career. I don't know why I got up in there. Okay. Actually, let's see. So uh, you're five of six now. You're taking a lead away from me. <laughs> All right. Austin Luke's actually third, so. Third, okay. All time. So seventh, the seventh question for you. How many Missouri Valley Conference schools are currently represented in the NBA and which schools are they now you, you can you can just answer the which schools are they if you want but the main question is how many schools are represented in the NBA is it a 1 b 
three, C, four, or D, five? Well, you got Alizé Johnson with the Pacers, so that's one for Missouri State. And then, uh, gosh. McDermott, but Creighton's not an OVC or not an MVC school anymore. Uh, no, like how many are current? So, like, currently represented, like, players right. playing in the NBA right now. So, you can include those two schools that left. Oh, okay. Sorry, so, I should have clarified that. How many schools are represented? Yeah. So, basically, out of those 10 teams or 12 teams, excuse me. Right. Well, then, uh, you got Van Fleet playing for uh, Toronto, I think. So I'll go with, was three one of my options? Yes. I'll take three. Three is correct, and you did name all, well, you named, yeah, you basically all named schools. all three. Yeah, because you said McDermott before I clarified that. Yeah. So. Okay, so you are, what, well, we got five for seven? Open your... Five for six, so I need you to miss this one. Okay. <laughs> All right. Who has the tournament record for most field goals made in a tournament? So in a single tournament, he's made the most field goals. Okay. Is it Bubba Wells, Kyle Hill, or Jonathan Stark? I believe it's... I'm not even going to give you that number because I don't want to screw it up. Okay. Jonathan Stark, Bubba Wells, and who's who's the other one? Kyle Hill. Kyle Hill. I think Jonathan, I know, I think Wells got there plenty of times, but Murray State made it, you know, was in there. So it was like one, one year, like. They made the most in one year. Oh, one, one year. specific tournament. Okay. Uh, Jonathan Stark. It's not Jonathan Stark. It's Bubba Wells. He had 36 field goals in the 97 tournament. He and Kyle Hill are tied for most points in a tournament. They both had 99. You know, Kyle Hill is going to be my second option. Clearly, I was nowhere close on that. So I'll be honest. He was Bubba Wells was going to be my third guess out of three choices. <laughs> so you got your wish I did miss the question thanks for jinxing my great jinxing. streak unbelievable <laughs> okay right, both, I'm ready to take the lead we're both 5 for 7 here now this one you got a 1 of 2 chances true or false okay true or false have the the last have the last 12 Missouri Valley Conference schools all had at least one player represent their school in the NBA history? Oh, gosh. I think right off the bat, the biggest question is uh, maybe Evansville. I think... Uh, yeah. I think when I was doing my research, so what's your, what's your answer? I'll go false. False. 
False yeah, is no. correct. Now, when I was doing my research, I believe I had nine out of the 12 that had an NBA player, if I looked at it correctly. Evansville was not listed. Um, I'm trying to think of what else. Illinois State had Doug Collins. Uh, obviously, Indiana State had Larry Bird. Had Hersey Hawkins of Bradley. There's been a handful at Southern Illinois. Just mentioned Alize Johnson, the guys from Creighton, Wichita State. Uh, gosh, I don't know about Drake from Northern Iowa. Off the top of my head. Yeah, so. I had Drake, Bradley, Wichita State, Illinois State, Southern Illinois, Creighton. Indiana State, Missouri State, and Loyola. Um, I don't know. I feel like I may have... Evansville was not on there, but I may have overlooked a, a Northern Iowa player. But Evansville was for sure not on there, so yes, the answer was false. Okay. All right, so now I've taken the lead. It's yep, it's yep, you took the lead. Ridiculous. This is unreal. You're probably Googling tougher questions as we go just to make no, me miss. No, I wouldn't do that. That's you're, Are you questioning my integrity now? <laughs> Maybe. Okay. You probably will serve you to do that. Uh, which current member has the most NCAA tournament wins as an OVC member? So in their time in the conference, they're right there now, that they have the, the most NCAA tournament wins. That makes sense. So, like, Belmont's pre-OVC days don't count. So you're, so you're telling me since basically Belmont joined the conference? Right. Okay. So, but, like, anyone else. So, like, Murray State, all their years count as part, as a member of the conference. Does that question make sense? Yeah, so you're saying Murray okay. State's entire OVC um, history, all theirs right. count. Yep. Even before so Belmont joined. Most NCAA tournaments with six as an OVC member. So your options are Austin P, Moorhead State, or Murray State. Uh, let's see. Moorhead State got there. Moorhead State was good when they had Kenneth Fareed. Um, Donnie Tyndall was there. It's 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 it has to be Murray State here. I think. Uh, yeah, Dave Luce was good with the Austin P, but I think Murray State did a lot better in the OVC tournaments to get to the NCAA tournament. I'll go Murray State. It's actually Moorhead State. I think there's really eight. Yep. Murray State, like you said, has been there a ton, but just haven't had a lot of success. I think they're four and seventeen, something crazy like that. Oh, this. Oh, I yeah, I misunderstood the question. I thought you meant how many times have they? Mi- uh, yeah, I completely misunderstood. But yes, <laughs> I'll take the I'll take the the incorrect. We should share, the, share these documents so we could read them because that's a great teaching point that some kids you know read the question better than they hear it, and some of the other way. Yeah, that's me. I'm raising my hand right now. <laughs> Let me read it how I see. <laughs> All right. Okay. I'm ready. Uh, question nine. 
Which school uh, plays in the largest arena currently in the Missouri Valley? Your options are what? Okay. Go ahead. Uh, Give me my my options. Okay. Your options are A, Missouri State, B, Bradley, or C, Northern Iowa. I believe it's Missouri State. No, so then it's got to be Bradley. That is correct. Bradley has 164 more seats or capacity than Missouri State does. Missouri State has 11,000. Wow. Obviously, I wouldn't have guessed that because I didn't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that let's see. That puts you at what six for eight, seven for nine, and wow, I don't think I'm gonna win. I think you're five for eight right now. You're on a slide here. So yep, need to all right. Okay. Prior to the 2019-20 season, when was the last time an OVC team was ranked in the top 25, the AP top 25 poll? Okay. Your options, 2015, 2017, or 2019? They were ranked. Yep. AP top 25 into the Well, the answer is Murray State. Um, Correct. What year was it though? Well, it wouldn't have been 2019. Um, what were the other two choices? 2015 and 2017. I'm going to go 2015. You are right. It was Murray. They were ranked number 25 that year. They yeah. ranked a couple times, but that was the last time they were Yeah, the one in the Ohio Valley was ranked. The one year they got up very high. That was when they had, uh, I think that was when Isaiah Cannon was there, I think. Uh-huh. And they, that was when they went, what, 31 and 4? That would have been 2012. 2012 in February, they were number nine. Yep. At the same year, they had that uh, bracket buster game at home against uh, St. Mary's. It could have been. I don't remember. Oh, okay. You're the OVC guy. I wasn't sure if you were looking at it, so I was clarifying. They just have like the school and what their rank was and the date. I got you. Okay, well, I needed that, so what, six yep, for... So now you're six for nine, going into our last question. Okay. I can I can ice it with free throws here. I can get Kelly Pendleton, uh, DeVilder, to shoot free throws for me. <laughs> All right. How well do you know your alma mater, TJ? How many NCAA tournament appearances has Carbondale had, and which year did they get the furthest? Oh, I got to go without any help here. I was seeing if you were going to ask for multiple choices, but yes, I will give you. I definitely want my multiple choices. (laughs) Okay. Is it A, nine, 
2007? Is it B, 11, 2008? C, 10, in 2007? Or is it D, 10, in 2006? Uh, I want to go with C. So you're going with Carbondale has appeared in the NCAA tournament 10 times and they got the furthest in 2007? Correct. That is correct. I figured it was 2007. It was either that year. So it was either A or C there. So. Yeah, I tried to throw you for a loop on that, but you weren't you weren't can, taking can the hook. I doubt myself. You weren't taking the hook. Regis Regis Philbin. <laughs> I don't question pilots. <laughs> All right. So see if you can uh, cover the spread here, I guess. Okay. There are three charter members still in the OVC. So they were the original guys back way back when. Oh jeez. Which one of these four is not a charter member. Does that make sense? Yep. Three of these guys have been there forever. One guy came in a little bit later. Correct. Eastern Kentucky, Moorhead State, Murray State, or Tennessee Tech. Eastern Kentucky, Moorhead, Murray, or Tennessee Tech. Let's see. Murray Tech, Moorhead, EKU. I'm going to I'm gonna go with uh, Moorhead State. Yeah. Tennessee Tech fights you here. They're the they're the school that's not the charter member. Really? Oh, I thought they were. I thought they'd. Oh. They, they weren't in too much later, but by all accounts, it sounds like it was the Murray State, Eastern Kentucky, and uh, I think Western Kentucky. It really kind of got that whole conference started. Yeah, Western Kentucky. Yeah. Yeah, Western Kentucky, uh, they were one of the big big cats in it back then. Um, well, you know, crap. Six out of ten failed. That's a big F. You know, when we do this again, I'll have your number, let me tell you. That, oh, I'm going to lose sleep now over this. I truly might. You took this a lot more seriously than I did, which probably doesn't help you any. Crickets. <laughs> uh last last question i got for you it's not in the okay. 10 just just for the fun of it okay what missouri valley conference school do i have the most close of missouri valley conference school yep. missouri valley missouri state wrong i don't know that I would hope Southern Illinois, but I think that's too easy. I have three pairs of clothing from Missouri Valley Conference. I have a Wichita State shirt. That doesn't count. Yeah, it sure does. <laughs> a, okay. a Wichita State hat and an Evansville shirt. Yeah. That's all I got. Oh, I take that. I take that back. Only of the twelve schools that we had in there that I don't have a shirt from their school. I take that back. I also have an Illinois State hat. Yeah. Back back when I was growing up, the hat looked very cool. When I during the Missouri Valley tournament, so I bought it. That's my story yeah. behind it. 
And my son, uh, the one that's at SIU now, he always goes to the championship game at NBC with his with my father-in-law. And he usually gets them. So a couple of, like last year, I think it was. So the 2019 tournament, excuse me, he got a Bradley hat. So when he was there this year, I was like, you can't wear that. You're going to be going to school at SIU. You can't wear the Bradley hat <laughs> anymore. But yeah, he, uh, so that's, you know, it's, it's cool to kind of pick up that gear and stuff like that. And obviously I take it way too far. Okay. Well, my wife puts up with it, so. Well, I mean, uh, I mean, I had fun doing this. Uh, Would have been nice if I could have passed uh, the test, but yeah, you know what? Stressful. You know what? There are. uh, It's just a minor setback for a bigger comeback when we do this again. (laughs) Now the pressure's on me, right? Now I got. Yeah, I might. But you can't can't come up with questions that are too tough. Yep. Yep. I might ask you who led the conference in 1977 with most turnovers. <laughs> That's an easy one. <laughs> but with that, <laughs> with that, that'll wrap up the show. Uh, TJ, you got any final thoughts here? No, I don't. This is a lot of fun. And again, thanks to Kelly for coming on, and uh, maybe I can embarrass her some more now that we have her on record talking about some uh, talking about herself for once. Yeah, you might just have to play the interview during uh, one of the practices. Yeah, the pregame uh, warm-up for the girls. <laughs> well, TJ, I don't have anything. Uh, go Cardinals. They're playing the Cubs right now. Other than that, uh, that'll wrap up the show. Uh, for TJ Hoover, I am Chris Smith. Thanks for tuning in. Again, a special thanks to Kelly for joining the show today for a different aspect to the show. Uh, we'll be back next week for episode 15. Uh, Be sure to check out the podcast on Apple and subscribe to it. Also, give us a follow on Twitter at ViewValleysPod. Enjoy the rest of your week. Have a good one, everybody.